All right, here we go. Welcome to the new podcast that we're calling Internet of Interesting Things. My name is Sriram, and I'm joined by Edward Gordon and Jim Brent. Hey, guys. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how are you doing, Sriram? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We're going to try something new. We're going to try this podcast. We're going to see how it goes. Mostly, this is just for us to get together. We all used to work together. Do we want to start out by just talking a little bit about ourselves and our areas of expertise and why we think we know what we're talking about? Edward, I'll throw it to you first. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, I would. Uh, I don't know if I really know what I'm talking about, but I like to talk about a lot of stuff. But I do have a background in... Um, Financial modeling, business valuation. I'm a judge. I've been a judge for four years for Notre Dame for the uh, business plan um, competitions. And uh, I like I like science. I like all things all things engineering and interesting. So that's the uh, that's that's my big my big focus, especially in in biology and uh, material science. Yeah. Edwards are startup guru. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very yeah. true. Jim. Uh, my name is Jim Brent, and uh, I am an electrical engineer. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm really an expert in anything, because the more you learn about a subject, you realize that you're not an expert at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just like Edward, I just enjoy reading and learning about different things, and that's pretty much where I'm at. And just want to see where this, you know, takes us, and continue to talk to you guys, and stay stay well connected with you guys. So. It's good. Well, Jim's our all-around uh, expert electrical engineer when it comes to new technology and old. Jim's a woodworker. Right? I am. And an amateur radio um, operator. Operator, operator yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's... Well, Edward also does woodworking. I guess I'm the only one who doesn't do woodworking. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you into it. Uh, okay. Well, my name is Srira. Uh, I'm a chemical engineer. My work Previously was on bio stuff, but now it's more on antenna stuff. And I just like radios and antennas and new technology and podcasts. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of new technology, I think the t- topic that we wanted to talk about today uh, that's been in the news recently, thanks to this Huawei business, is 5G. President Trump recently put Huawei on his list of companies to avoid doing business. It's this list that contains companies that U.S. feels are controlled by foreign national entities. And Huawei was recently put on it. So now Huawei can't use Android. Qualcomm and Intel also pulled out of their agreement so they cannot sell semiconductors to Huawei. So this has a lot of implications. Uh, that are well beyond our expertise. But the one topic that we wanted to talk about in that is 5G. What is 5G, Jim? 5G is the next, is essentially the uh, next generation of cellular connectivity to the internet. Um, is I guess it's basic form. Some of the, I guess, biggest like things with 5G, what makes it so, like the next big, big jump um, it's going to be a lot faster, um, uh-huh. and so you're going to be able to use up to, I think they're saying the minimum speed is one gigabit per second, mm-hmm. and so that means you can download like an entire two-hour HD movie in 10 seconds onto your phone, which is incredibly fast. Another one is um, ultra-reliable um, low-latency communications, and what it means is you type uh, you know, like into your search bar in 
and you are instead of waiting like 50 milliseconds to get a response it's uh, a millisecond so you have much faster communications to the internet and back and the last one is uh you're going to be able to connect a lot more devices to a single node of a a, a tower essentially a, a cell um right now 4G can do approximately 4,000 devices per square kilometer, and 5G will be able to support up to a million devices per square kilometer. So those are some of the big, big things about 5G and why they're so important, or why it's so important, and so it's going to create a huge impact on the uh, on the infrastructure, on you know the world's infrastructure. <laughs> <laughs> And you're starting to see some of the rollout of it. You're seeing in, like, I think Dallas, AT&T, and Verizon have started rolling uh, out 5G. Right now, AT Verizon is only in Minneapolis and Chicago. Oh, really? Okay. I think I saw somewhere that they're planning on rolling out at least in Dallas. And Samsung has a new 5G Galaxy phone to go along with their rollout. So it's starting to get there but it's not quite there yet. It'll probably be next year, that the year of 5G. But interestingly, you're starting to see 5G on people's phones already, just the names changes. Well, that, you know, that's one of my big hot contentions is it's 5GE or 5, yeah, 5GE is on Verizon, or not Verizon, AT&T Apple phones with uh, iOS of 12.2 and above. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I read a little bit about this and, you know, Verizon and like Sprint and a lot of the other major carriers said like, like they took out full page ads in the New York Times. Like we will not be launching this until it's true 5G. What they claim is not is 5G is actually not 5G. They're just able to do um, MIMO, which is multi in, multi out um, for antennas. So you have multiple antennas broadcasting simultaneously like in parallel to four antennas on your smartphone and yes you're able to get higher speeds but it's not truly 5g because they're not using the millimeter wave band which is a much higher frequency than we're currently using on those 5g so at&t did it and their explanation was is that 5g is an evolution it doesn't just it's not a switch that you turn on and off and personally i think that's a big load of crock and uh i think a lot of other people out there that actually know the uh, technology agree and say like this is not that's really really thin and i, I you know i don't necessarily agree with that <laughs> so mm -hmm. that that's my take on it anyway mm -hmm. so it's know. it's actually it's also really interesting if you've been watching like business news um the sprint right has has been struggling for a long time um, and they were talking with the uh, FCC today, or they gave a, a disclosure saying that they were planning to have 5G out within within three years, um, and kind of sort of provoking everybody else to say that they would also be able to implement it within five years. But it's funny because right, AT and T is already giving their their marketing aspects, saying that they're already into 5G. Yeah, I mean AT and T did this similar thing with 4G, like. What they called 4G initially was just 3G plus. It was HSPA. Right. Yeah. It was a high-speed packet access or something. Yeah. And then when 4G LTE came out, that's the real 4G. And then what they're calling 5GE is essentially what Verizon is calling LTE Advanced or Gigabyte LTE or Advanced Pro LTE or whatever terminology that these companies are coming out with. All of those... 
I mean, it's great. Like LTE Advance is a true step up from 4G LTE because they're doing all these smart things like carrier aggregation and like Jim said, MIMO and what's it called? The unlicensed band. So they're doing a lot of cool things to give you the gigabit speed or close to it. No one's getting gigabit speeds in, yeah. in cellular. And also like, you know, from a consumer standpoint, people don't realize that their phones are slow if they're getting more than 11 megabits per second. Because right. that's the speed you need for HD TV or HD videos. So mm-hmm. as long as you're getting a minimum of 11, you're not going to notice your Netflix buffering. Yeah, I didn't notice that. I didn't know that. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, Netflix actually like talks about it. Like Even for 4K videos, it's surprisingly low, the speeds you need. 5G is great for all the things that Jim talked about in the IoT world. Uh, <laughs> smart, smart cars. It's the facilitation for smart cars, basically. And honestly, um, virtual reality. Um, yeah. That'll be another really big one is uh, because it 5G is able to, because of the low latency, able to like offload some of the processing power to towers, essentially. That's a really basic way of explaining it, but that's essentially what they do is they offload some of the processing power to the towers. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. I mean, the vehicle-to-vehicle communication um, that's supposed to be, you know, in development or moving moving in. So basically, you can be able to design self-driving cars. They'll be able to communicate with each other. I mean, you'll have to be able to use, in some way, shape, or form, very fast communications. And you're probably going to offload some of it onto the cellular networks anyway, because you'll be able to. And you'll be able to send it fast enough that they'll be able to make the decisions quickly enough that it can work together. I mean, there are so many cool applications that are coming up for 5G, but we don't have it yet, or at least in the mass market yet. And even when it comes, you're going to have like the first generation of 4G. It's going to be a step up, but Mm. the true potential will be realized (laughs) at the, almost at the end of the, the cycle. Yeah. Before 6G comes out. (laughs) <laughs> which hasn't even been defined yet <laughs> has 5g been defined yet completely yeah so 3pp 3gpp sorry mm-hmm. um i think it stands for third generation partnership project mm. it kind of is the one that develops all the protocols and all the standards and things for it and it's mostly globally recognized as what it's actually supposed to be mm-hmm. but People, again, like we talked about earlier, marketing gets a hold of new terms because they need to sell more things, and so they, they jump them down a little bit. But whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, the, um, the FCC didn't even auction off the higher levels. For anyone um, who's not too familiar with, the, uh, um, with how the banding works is that every... Um, carriers allowed to be able to transmit on certain certain sets, certain mm-hmm. bands with certain bandwidths, right? And so the FCC only recently um, auctioned off the highest bands for for 5G um, mm-hmm. to be able to access the these these super high high speeds. They only did it in 2018 at the end of 2018. So it's you know within a year that they've been able to tell what 
band they can communicate on so that they know how they need to talk to their own phones. The, 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 the stuff that comes out I, because of that is what I find really interesting. It's like, because now you're talking about millimeter waves. You're talking about like, you know, 30 giga, gigahertz and 40 gigahertz and 60 gigahertz. Yes, you're going to have a ton of bandwidth, but it's going to go like a foot in propagation. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but, you know, it's not going to yeah. travel far. Right, and so the problem is that you're going to have to have all these microcells built all over cities. Yes. Um, and there are already like town council meetings about like having these refrigerator sized boxes all over town because, you know, it can't round a corner and, you know, you need it at every corner because there's no, it doesn't penetrate walls. Like you won't be able to get 5G inside a, a basement or something unless there's a repeater somewhere or something. Yeah. Not a repeater, but an actual like hub, which is <laughs> what's the infrastructure going to actually look like? Companies like Xfinity and Comcast or Comcast um, have been already rolling out something similar because they're broadcasting Xfinity Wi-Fi off of the routers that the customers pay for. So yep. you pay to put their infrastructure in your house so they can make money from other people. Yeah, because brilliant. they're selling Xfinity Mobile. Like it's like it's the uh, it's unbelievable. It's, it's like a you great pay, great yeah. business thing. Come on, yeah. Trey, you gotta admire that. <laughs> it is absolutely it is, great business. Like, is, I mean, when does that ever happen? Like for Verizon and T-Mobile to put up a tower, they're paying like ten thousand dollars a month, you know, in lot fees. But for Verizon, every customer is paying them ten dollars a month. Xfinity. Xfinity. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Xfinity. <laughs> You're right. I don't know how they get away with it, but they do. It is. Oh, and then they advertise it as going like, oh, you also have free Xfinity Wi-Fi everywhere. It's like, come on. You're paying for it. Yeah. It's not free. <laughs> oh. oh, that is very true. They're going to do the same thing with 5G. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Edward, you were about to say something. No, I was going to say that there were some startup companies in... Uh, um, in... San Francisco mostly that were paying uh, different that were paying customers like paying people to be able to lock into their you know Google Google Fiber or their service provider um, to be able to then attach little femto cells and and hang them outside their their window to be able to send it out yeah it's incredible yes. I think I think there's like a lot of cool stuff coming out you know this year and next year. Also, like, you know, if you guys get a chance, look up the Samsung Galaxy S10 5G version. They have a picture of all their antennas on the back of the phone. It is oh. the coolest thing. It's Do you got, know how much that phone is retailing for? Uh, $1,300. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness, that's a lot of money for a phone. <laughs> it has 16 <laughs> antennas on the back. What do you I'll want? Have, I'll definitely have to look it up. That's really cool. Yeah. Don't worry. You so, could pay. You could pay for the Samsung um, folding phone, and you know, break it in a few days, and uh, that would be you know a good a good use of your thousand dollars as well. Yeah. Did you Did true. you hear why it's breaking though? Well, the, the protective well, like, screen. Yeah. yeah the protective screen. The people think they need to rip it off, and they pull it off. Yeah. Except I heard that there were a few journalists that like didn't pick at it and didn't do it, and they're still died within seven days. Yeah, because yeah. their like, dirt still got under it. I remember. Yeah. You, yeah. I remember talking about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, 
that's like a design thing. It's like, why would you? I guess like when your phone is flexible, you're gonna have a little like crease wherever that fold meets. But yeah. Uh. But even just put some silicone, like a silicone, you know, like. Not you don't have to dip it in silicone, but you can just be uh, right because when when an iPhone is assembled, they um, it goes on a machine and then it comes down with a uh, with a little needle pipette that pipettes around a, a silicone lining to then place it down and seal it in. Uh-huh. It also adheses it and helps to waterproof it. You should just do that along the edge of of the uh, of the film to be able to protect it from waterproofing. You get a little bump, which maybe that's they don't want that for the customer, like the user experience. But probably... well, I mean, if you get that bump, won't most people pick at it? That's true. <laughs> that, that, that true. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I would pick at it. <laughs> well, so they were saying that like Samsung was trying to beat um, uh, who are they? Motorola Razor to the market with the first foldable phone. So they figured even if it's not the greatest phone. As long as they can claim to have the first foldable phone on the market. Well, Huawei. I believe Huawei has already released a foldable phone. Uh, we don't talk about Huawei in this country, Edward. Not anymore. <laughs> it's interesting yeah. though, that Huawei had kind of expected this, to be honest. They said they bought three months stock of supply to build all their phones for the next few months just because they thought that this was going to occur. Back in March, they bought it. Wow. Well, so... Reading about this, um, you know, this trade war slash sanctions against Chinese companies, apparently China's biggest card that they can play is stopping the export of rare earth material uh, minerals to the U.S. Um, Apparently, China exports 80 percent of the rare earth metals that are used in the U.S. for all sorts of things. Palladium and neodymium are just like... The, the China as a supplier is one of the largest suppliers in, in palladium and neodymium materi- um, minerals and materials to be able to go into designing magnets that, that hold, like the magnets that hold your cabinet if you want it to, to, to close and not open. That, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's from China minerals and the, everything that like runs your phone that mm. allows it to be able to do its fast communications is the palladium. Um, huh. That comes from China, and and the thing is, it's like so. The two places that most of the world's rare earth metals are coming from are China, which is the largest exporter, and countries in Africa. And China controls those as well through their partnerships. And so, this could get interesting. Yeah, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, but that's where we are with five G and. Huawei. I think a little uh, bit of the trade war in there. (laughs) And a little bit of the trade war in there. Well, I think this was fun. I don't know. We'll see how many people listen to it. I think Jim will listen to it. I don't know if Edward will listen to it. I'll listen to it. I like like to hear the sound of my own voice. (laughs) Exactly. Um, I'll I'll listen to it for your voice, Sharon. Well, I think this was fun, and I think we should do an episode two. I think we should as well. All right, gentlemen. Until next week. I'm Jim. I'm Shriram. And uh, I'm the other guy. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys. See ya.